This is the Morning Rush. Coming up on today's show, could the Penguins even up their first round series against the Islanders? The Wizards and Celtics play for the seventh seed in the Eastern Conference. The West Virginia Boys AA All-State team was announced yesterday. And we have yet another no-hitter in Major League Baseball. All that and more coming up in the next two hours of the Morning Rush. Good morning to you. How the heck are you? So glad to have you on board. So glad you could take some time to tune in and hang out as we kick off yet another essential work day. Hold on one second. Several ways to get involved on the show, as always. Uh, A couple of Twitter pages, at WCMD Morning Rush. Uh, My Twitter page, at Rush Tony C. Our Facebook page, at WCMD Cumberland Radio. All of those pages. Free and open to the public. I don't know what just happened. Wow, that was weird. I just broke out in a massive sweat for no reason whatsoever. Don't know why I felt the need to tell you that. It was just, it caught me off guard. Did that ever happen to you? Or is it just me? Am I having an issue right now? I don't know. <laughs> is my coffee too hot? That was, that was funky. Just all of a sudden, just boom. Big old, and I feel fine. That was just bizarre. Anyway. Uh, Where was I? Oh, the pages. Yes, free and open to the public. I'm glad I uh, put on the old deodorant uh, this morning. Like and follow those pages. And at any time, uh, feel free. I encourage you to uh, reach out and communicate. Get involved. You got a question. You want something to talk about. Uh, You got an opinion, a comment. If, uh, I don't know, if somebody's doing something good in the area, if you got a baseball player or a softball player or, I don't know, anything that you think is suitable for air, suitable for the show, feel free. And we'll talk about it. It is uh, better. It's always better uh, when the listeners get involved. That's, that's, That's why we do the show, part of the show anyway. All right. I mean, I could sit here and talk for two hours, but I'd rather not. I'd rather have you getting involved in the show, either through Twitter or Facebook or the Rush Line, which is open as always, 301 759 2628. Your chance to dial and dance. Shamo 301 759 2628. And of course, our podcast page on the free Podbean app. We upload every show every day, minus commercials, just for you. So if you miss part of the show or any part of it, if you're out of the listening area and you want to find out what we talked about on a particular day, there it is, right there for you. All you have to do, it's relatively easy and pain-free. Just download that Podbean app to your phone or tablet or other such device, and it's right there at your fingertips, right? It's 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 easy. If I can do it, anybody can do it. All right, let's uh, kick off today's show <clears throat> as we kick off every show with a rock around the region. I want to rock! And we start with the Stanley Cup playoffs. 
where those Penguins were looking to even up their first-round series with the Islanders in Pittsburgh. Behind the net, Kapanen chops it to McCann. Left side, Carter cuts the top of the crease, fires and scores! Jeff Carter gives the Penguins a 2-0 lead late in the first period. The call on the Penguins radio network to won the final Pens win and even the series at a game apiece. Uh, Brian Rust had the other goal for Pittsburgh. Tristan Jari, nice bounce-back game for him. He made 39 saves for his first career playoff win. A series now shifts to Long Island for Game 3 tomorrow. Tonight, it's Game 3 between the Bruins and Capitals in Boston. With that series tied 1-1, catch the game right here this evening uh, on this very station. In the NBA, the Wizards and Celtics hooked up in Boston for the 7-8 play-in game in the Eastern Conference, and uh, Washington simply had no answer for Mr. Jason Tatum. Smart will bring it up. Goes to Tatum. Rhythm three, left side. Bottom! 74-58. 31 for Tatum. Walker around the screen up high by Tatum. Tatum pops, catches near the top of the key. Guarded by Smith. Big mismatch. Launches a two ball and hits a 20-footer. Literally right over the top of his Smith. He just leaned right in and shot over him. You could almost say he shot through him. There's no way his Smith can do anything. Fifth time this year, Tatum's gone north of 40 points. The calls on ESPN Radio, 50 points for Jason Tatum as the Celtics locked down the seven seed with a 118-100 victory. Bradley Bill had 22 points. Russell Westbrook had 20 for the Wizards, who will now host Indiana for the final playoff spot in the East tomorrow night. The Pacers destroyed the Hornets in the 9-10 game, 144-117. Much more on both of those games coming up here in just a bit. High school basketball, boys high school basketball. The West Virginia AA All-State team was announced yesterday. Polka's Isaac McNeely was named captain of the first team. Uh, Williamstown sophomore Xavier Carruthers, captain of the second team. Frankfurt's Jake Clark received honorable mention. Uh, He averaged 11.5 points a game his senior season. In high school baseball, Mountain Ridge took advantage of 13 walks, including four with the bases loaded, to beat Fort Hill a 12-2. Mountain Ridge also scored on a wild pitch and a hit-by-pitch. The Miners blew open a 1-0 game with five runs in the fourth inning and six more in the fifth. Uma Puali had a double, two RBI, and a run scored for the Ridge. In Major League Baseball, the Rays did some major yard work against the Orioles. There's a high shot back into deep right center, and that one is going to get out of here. Home run. Way over that 373 marker up into the stands. And Austin Meadows unloads. The Rays with a pair of three-run home runs in the second inning. Break out in front, 6-0. The call on Fox Sports Florida. Five home runs for Tampa Bay in a 13-6 win over the Orioles at Camden Yards. Mike Zanino hit two home runs. Uh, Brett Phillips had the other three-run homer in that second inning off of Matt Harvey. Uh, DJ Stewart had two hits and an RBI for the O's, who have lost 8 of 10. And they are now 6-16 six and 16 at home this season. Elsewhere, David Bodie and Ian Happ homered 
as the Cubs beat the Nationals 6-3 at Wrigley. Starling Castro homered for the Nats. And in St. Louis, the Pirates lost to the Cardinals 5-2. Nolan Arenado, a two-run homer, his fourth homer in four games for the Cards. Arenado has six home runs this month. The entire Pirates team has uh, six home runs this month. Adam Frazier had another hit for the Bucks. He leads the National League with 52 hits, which is also the third most in all of baseball. And that is your rock around the region. So last night, uh, a crazy, I wouldn't call it crazy. There's a lot of stuff going on last night. A lot of the stuff we, we just talked about that I just mentioned. You had uh, the Pens and Islanders on, right? And at the same time, you had the Pirates, the Nationals, and the Orioles all on at the same time. And then later on at 9 o'clock, you had the Wizards and the Celtics. So the old remote control thumb getting a, a major workout last night. Just back and forth, back and every time. Now, of course, uh, I focus on the, uh, the Pittsburgh sports. That's, that's where I'm from. Those are my teams. So anytime there is a break in the action, the, the playoff game always takes priority. Always. So the TV stayed on the Penguins-Islanders game. But as soon as there is a break in the action, you flip it over to the Pirates game, right? And if you happen to hit a commercial there, then you just ran up the line and you see what the Orioles and the Nationals were doing. Unfortunately, (laughs) it wasn't much to watch as far as baseball is concerned. The best game of the night was the Penguins-Islanders. The Wizards and Celtics were okay in the first half. The second half was terrible. But it was just funny. Every time early on I switched from the Penguins to the Pirates, the Pirates score was different and not in a good way. (laughs) I switched over, it was 2-0, Cardinals. And then I switched over, it was 4-0. And then it was 5-0. Then I switched over to the Orioles game, it was 8-1 Tampa. I'm like, well, I'm not going back to that game. All the games that I just mentioned, only one team won, and that was the Penguins. Wizards lost, Nats lost, Pirates lost, Orioles lost. And I tell you what, I, I couldn't have been more wrong about uh, the Wizards playing game last night in Boston. I thought the Wizards had the momentum going in. Given away, they ended the regular season as opposed to how Boston ended it. The Wizards had Bradley Beal back, although not 100%. Boston, without Jalen Brown, they were banged up. And I thought Washington had a really good chance to win. And I even picked them yesterday on the show. I took the two points. And I was dead wrong. Because what I did not know was that Jason Tatum (laughs) was going to go off for 50 points. 32 of those 50 in the second half. And look, the game was tight in the first half. And the Wizards actually led uh, by a bucket at the break, 54-52. When I, I flipped over to the game just as the second half started. And Washington was up, uh, I think it was a point, 56-55. And then Boston goes on a 14-0 run to go up 69-56. And that was part of a 22-4 run to open up the second half, to get up to that big lead. Like, as soon as I turned it on, 
the Celtics go on that big run. I'm like, well, this game, you know, is pretty much done. Now the Wizards did cut it back down to seven. Uh, heading into the fourth quarter, I think it was 91-84. But then the Celtics come right back, a 15-6 run, to pretty much put it away. Sean Kelly and my main man, P.J. Carlissimo, Paisana, had the call of the game on ESPN Radio. The Boston Celtics advance from the play-in tournament by beating the Wizards tonight by 18, 118-100. It was a two-point game at the half, and we'll get into the particulars of a key third quarter in a moment. But... Let's go to the headliners, P.J. Carlissimo, going into the game. I mean, the two big stars were going to be Walker and Tatum for Boston. And for Washington, it had to be Westbrook and Bradley Beal. And if we just analyze the game from those four players, it tells us a lot. Well, Bradley Beal got 22 points, didn't shoot it as well as he's been shooting it, 10 for 25. Russell Westbrook didn't shoot it well either, but he got 20. You say, well, they got 42 points. That's pretty good. Yeah, it is, but... Jason Tatum went for 50 himself, and Kemba Walker threw another 29 on top of that. 79 is pretty good production out of your backcourt. And no doubt. And those two guys, during a key stretch in the ballgame, scored 35 of 36 Boston points, and that crescendoed in the third when they grabbed the double-digit lead for the first time in the ballgame. Oh, no, they just took control. Jason Tatum went for 23, Kemba for 9. But it was the way they did it. They were so efficient. And at the same time, Washington turning the ball over and absolutely unable to make any threes all night. We knew Boston was the better three-point shooting team, but we didn't anticipate they would force the turnovers that they did. 16 turnovers led to 20 Boston points. They defended the three so well. They limited Washington to three three-point shots. And 27 for 32 from the free throw line, pretty good when Jason Tatum himself goes 17 for 17. So the Celtics advance. They're the seventh seed. They'll see Brooklyn on Saturday night in the 2-7 matchup. Let's get to 48 hours from now, roughly, when now Washington, in an elimination game, has to deal with Indiana two days from now at D.C. And Indiana will face their second elimination game. The difference with our game was, even if you lose, you get another chance. You get rewarded for finishing seventh or eighth. Uh, And fortunately for Boston, they get the extra day. Got to wonder, Robert Williams, whether he's going to be able to play or not, uh, what that will do with their their front court uh, there. But they get the extra day. They don't play till Saturday. Washington, no rest for the weary. On the plane, get back to Washington. They're going to host the Pacers on Thursday. And their reward, whichever team is able to come up with that win and the number eight seed, they will journey to the city of brotherly love come Sunday. All right. We'll have it for you right here on ESPN Radio, and we're looking forward to it. Mark Kestisher and John Berry on the call of that game in the East on Thursday night. Once again, the final score, Boston 118, Washington 100. Now, you heard the guys mention uh, Washington's three-point shooting. Just three of 21 from beyond the arc. Not going to get it done. And the bottom line is, and, and they alluded to it, the Celtic stars just shine brighter than Washington's. I mean, that's it. That's the bottom line. That is the entire game in a nutshell. Tatum and Kemba Walker combined for 79 of Boston's points. Westbrook and Bale only combined for 42. That's a 37-point difference. 37-point difference between the two or the four superstars. Everything else, 
I mean, aside from the Wizards did turn the ball over a little bit more. I mean, the Wizards bench outscored Boston's bench 45 to 20. Each team had 49 rebounds. It came down to the superstars. It came down to three-point shooting. Wizards made three. Celtics made 15. Tatum and Walker combined for 11 of those 15 three balls. And free throw shooting. Wizards made 17. Celtics made 27. 10-point swing right there. That's it. That's your game in a nutshell. And as you mentioned, good news for the Wizards. Even though they lost, they have another chance. Celtics clinched the seven seed. They get to rest up before uh, taking on the Nets. The Wizards still got some more work to do. They will host the Pacers tomorrow night. Shot clock is off. Stanley holds it just inside a half court. And the Indiana Pacers are going to play at least one more game. Indiana routes Charlotte 144 to 117 as the Pacers move on to another play-in game Thursday night. Just an absolute beatdown last night by Indiana, stomping a mud hole in the Hornets. The game at one point was 144-109 before Charlotte scored the final eight points of the game to make it 144-117. The game wasn't even close. It wasn't even close. I think Indiana jumped out to like a 23-9 lead. I mean, right out of the gate. And they did it without Karis LeVert and his 20 points a game because he was placed uh, in the league's health and safety protocol right before the game. To break it down, Mark Kessler and John Barry, they had the call on ESPN Radio. This was a no contest, JB. Uh, we weren't sure if it would be a close one between the Pacers and Hornets. Uh, Doug McDermott made sure that Indiana got off to a good start and they never trailed going on to the big victory. Well, a, a bit surprising. Uh, these were two teams that I, I felt were very similar, uh, particularly the way they played. Uh, they play, they move the basketball, they share it, they're good offensively. Uh, they both kind of struggle with the same thing as far as protecting the paint and playing good defense. But uh, credit Indiana's defense. They, they did a nice job. They did a great job on the three-point line where they held Charlotte to 12 of 40. But you're right. Doug McDermott gets four threes in the first five minutes of the ball game. Oshie Brissett who I'm sure a lot of NBA fans don't know who he is, but you might start knowing him now. He was terrific. He gets 23, got eight guys in double figures, and uh, it was an offensive clinic for this Pacer group. Well, they won't have Karis LeVert, it sounds like, for a while. He just went into the health and safety protocol. Miles Turner, their outstanding rim protector, also doesn't appear to be coming back anytime soon. It was big to get Malcolm Brogdon back. They got a lot healthier tonight. And it wasn't one guy, as you pointed out, who led the way. And you kind of said it two or three times during the broadcast. How was this team 34 and 38? They seemed like a much better team. At least they hit on all cylinders tonight, especially without two of their stars. Yeah, I mean, it just seems like they have guys that play with great confidence. And uh, tonight, obviously, everything was working. The Brogdon uh, had been out for quite a while. He gets 16 points. He gets eight assists. Sabonis gets one field goal in the first half, and you still put up 69 points uh, because McDermott was great. Brissett was great. T.J. McConnell uh, played terrific as well. Uh, Sumner's a guy that's also capable. Uh, so they have a lot of pieces that uh, I-, I like the way they're coached. They like I said, they share the basketball, they shoot quick, they run up and down, and uh, if they can find a way to protect the paint, 
and play some defense, they're a very dangerous offensive team. Well, how about the Pacers? 74 paint points, second most in a game this year. 64 points in the restricted area, their most in a game this season. 36 uncontested field goals, 13 uncontested three-pointers made. That adds up to a, a gigantic victory as the Indiana Pacers still alive, at least for another game, as they route Charlotte 144 to 117. How about old Dougie Buckets? With four trays out of the gate for Indiana. Now, you heard him mention uh, T.J. McConnell. Pittsburgh kid, oh, by the way, had a great game off the bench for Indiana. And we will hear from T.J. next when we come back from the break. Stick around. 102.1 FM, AM 1230 WCMD. This is the Morning Rush. Talking NBA, the first two uh, playing games last night, both in the East. The Wizards are losing at Boston, uh, 118 to 100. Jason Tatum went off 50 points for the Celtics. They locked down the seven seed. They get uh, the second seeded Nets in the first round. So the Wizards still alive. That's the benefit of playing in that 7-8 game. They get to host the Pacers tomorrow. The Pacers absolutely waxed the Hornets last night, 144-117. to Doug McDermott, big game. Sabonis, big game. And T.J. McConnell, the Pittsburgh kid, big game. 17 points, 5 rebounds, 4 steals for the Pacers off the bench. And he jumped on with uh, Freddie and Fitzsimmons after the game last night. It, it was a team effort. You know, we came out with a lot of energy, and we were connected on both ends of the floor. Um, it really comes down to that. You know, every possession matters when it comes down to the playoffs, and we were locked in on both ends. We were pushing the pace, getting stops, and getting out and running, and I think that was the difference. You were able to do this tonight without Karis LeVert, one of your star players you got in the midseason trade from the Brooklyn Nets, out with COVID protocol. Also, not having one of those guys in the front line, meaning the guys that go with DeMontis Sabonis to be one of your front line players. But, yeah, you ate like 35 assists tonight. What has it been like seeing this team go through that adversity? Yeah, I mean, I think injuries and, you know, kind of bad luck have decimated our team this year. But no one no one feels bad for us. And it's 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 that next man up mentality. And we've been, you know, kind of doing that all year. And I'm just proud of the guys we have in this locker room and, and, and no one's satisfied. You know, we, we know we have another, um, another game to, to get into the playoffs and we have to come ready and, and, and be connected on both ends of the floor. Like we were tonight. Miles Turner is a guy I mentioned that was out with the injury. One of your leaders on this team, but you've been able to bring that leadership to this team since joining Indiana from the Philadelphia 76ers. How much of that was really important, not just this game, but leading into the playing game in the NBA? Yeah, I mean, just just trying to help the team in any way that I can on and off the floor. And, you know, like you said, it's we, we don't have, you know, one of our leaders in, in Miles, and he's, he's one of our main leaders, and, and we certainly miss him. But, um, you know, they, we've done a good job of trying to, you know, kind of fill that void and, um, you know, kind of to answer your question, just trying to, you know, be a leader um, by the way that I play. And, and that's with my energy and, and going out there and um, being disruptive on defense and pushing the pace on offense and getting people the ball. 
T.J. McConnell, 17 points in 25 minutes off the bench for the Pacers. They beat the Charlotte Hornets 144 to 117 in NBA play-in game. Joining me, Freddie Coleman on Freddie and Fitzsimmons on ESPN Radio. T.J., what is it like to be a part of history? Because this has never happened before, and you not only were a part of that, but you went out there and put it on the Charlotte Hornets tonight. Yeah, um, I feel like we no one really picked us to win this mm-hmm. game, yeah. and and we knew that. We came out with a chip on our shoulder and came out hungry and um, really defended our butts off and, and, and we shared the ball. And, um, and we were, like I said, it, it sounded like a broken record, but we were, we were just connected on both ends. And that's what you have to be when it comes to playoff basketball. Uh, a lot of people picked them to win the game last night. I don't know. That, that's just, that's what we call manufactured motivation right there. A lot of people were on the Pacers last night. They were at home, and they were taking on a Hornets team that wasn't exactly cruising into the playoffs. And here was a case where momentum did carry over into the playing game. See, I thought momentum would be a factor in the Wizards-Celtics game because the winner, uh, the Wizards finished the regular season on a 17-6 run, 17 wins, 6 losses. The Celtics ended up... 5-10 and ten down the stretch. And I thought that was going to carry over into last night's game in Boston. It did not. But here's a case where it did. Because Charlotte ended the season on a five-game losing streak. They went from the 7th seed or the 8th seed down to the 10th seed. And they just seemed out of the game from the get-go last night. And again, the game was in Indiana, so that didn't help matters either if you're the Hornets. And it was the worst loss for Charlotte since 1998. <laughs> since 1998. That's a long time ago. So I, McConnell says that not many people picked the Pacers to win. A lot of people did. And they snap a uh, a nine-game losing streak in the postseason. And again, they travel to Washington for tomorrow night's game. The Wizards swept the Pacers. In the regular season, three games to none. Uh, most recently, a 133-132 win in overtime. Uh, a little more than a week ago, back on May 8th. Now, don't forget, tonight we have the play-in games out west in the 7-8 game. A tremendous matchup. This is like a marquee matchup. This is the kind of game you put on Christmas Day, right? This is a prime time game. LeBron and the Lakers against Steph Curry and the Warriors in L.A. Now, again, the benefit of the 7-8 game is loser isn't finished. They play another game. But still, very important to get that 7-C, to get that rest. And uh, Kendrick Perkins, ESPN analyst, says the key or a key to a Lakers victory isn't stopping Steph Curry but making Curry stop somebody else. Forget the fact that the Lakers have the number one defense in the league. Forget the fact that they have the best duo since Kobe and Shaq. What the Lakers have to do is they have to make Steph Curry play defense. Spend some of that energy on the defensive end because we all know from watching this Warriors team this year that 80% of their offense is Steph Curry. He has to move without the ball offensively. He has to get open. So if I'm the Lakers, I'm searching Steph Curry out 
trying to make sure that I put him in position to have to guard and try to spin and exert some of that energy so he don't have it on the offensive end. Tire him out, says Kendrick. Tire him out. Make him run. Make him play D. Now, I don't know if that'll work. Trying to wear him down a little bit? I don't know. I mean, Curry's a dead-eye shooter, and you got to have legs to shoot, and that maybe has to play. I don't know. Lakers are going to win tonight. They they finish the regular season on the roll. Everybody's getting relatively healthy. Lakers are going to win. But, again, Golden State will have another game uh, because, uh, let's see, tonight's winner gets who they get in the uh, first round. Phoenix, right? Yeah, Phoenix is the second seed. So, winner gets the seventh seed, and the Suns, loser gets the winner of the 9-10 game, either the Grizzlies or the Spurs. Uh, that game going down tonight in San Antonio. And we heard you know Tim Legler say earlier in the week, and I totally agree, that whoever loses tonight's Lakers-Warriors game, they're going to beat either the Grizzlies or the Spurs. So, it's not really going to matter because they're better than either one of those 9-10 teams. So, if the Lakers win... You know, they'll get the seventh seed. They'll get the Suns in the first round. The Warriors, they'll beat either one of these teams. If the Warriors happen to pull what would be considered an upset over the Lakers, the Lakers are going to beat the Grizz or the Spurs. So the seven, eight teams tonight, they're going to be your seven, eight teams when the first round starts. It's going to be a matter of what order uh, they'll be in. That makes sense? So, hey, you never know. You never know. That's why they play the games, but it, it looks it's favorable for these seven, eight teams out in the West, more so than the seven, eight teams in the East. Because I'm not convinced now that the Wizards can beat the Pacers tomorrow. I'm not convinced. I, I know they beat them in a regular season three times, but the games were relatively close. I think nothing more than maybe a 12-point margin. Still not quite sure how healthy Bradley Bill is. He was off last night, only had 22 points. I say only, but he averaged almost 32 this year. We'll see. But I definitely like I like the loser of the 7-8 game out west much more than I like the Wizards in the game tomorrow. Uh, a couple more things about the NBA before we go to break. I see that um, Monty Williams was named the coach of the year. Phoenix Suns coach Monty Williams takes home the hardware from the National Basketball Coaches Association. Uh, basically, what happens there is the 30 head coaches vote on the award. And uh, Monty Williams gets the award. So congratulations to him. Again, as I mentioned, the Suns, the second seed, 51-21 and 21 in the regular season. And uh, Williams led the Suns to their first Pacific Division title since 2007. So Monty Williams uh, gets that Coach of the Year award. Another coach doesn't care what you have to say about anything, and that would be Ty Lue of the Clippers. Now, the Clippers have been criticized, roundly criticized, since the end of the regular season. They have been criticized. They have been accused of tanking the final two games against the Rockets and the Thunder so they would get the four seed which means that they wouldn't have to face the Lakers until the the Western Conference Finals. Because look, the Rockets and the Thunder are terrible. They're horrible. Two of the worst teams in the league. 
and the Clippers lost to them both. And they ended up in a tie with um, the Nuggets, but the Nuggets won the tiebreaker, so Nuggets got the third seed, and Clips got the fourth seed. And the Clippers rested Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Other starters played limited minutes in those last two games. And so they dropped from third to fourth. And Ty Lue comes out and says uh, he doesn't, quote-unquote, give a damn if anyone thinks the team purposely tanked those last two games. He doesn't care. He says, I don't care what anybody thinks on the outside. Uh, he, just, he he claims they were just trying to stay healthy. That's what he says. He says, we focused on getting the team healthy. That's why we rested Leonard and George and limited starters minutes. He says, we, uh, you know, wanted to, quote, unquote, so stay healthy. And then he later said, whatever people say on the outside, I don't care. I don't read Twitter. I don't care about all that. He does what he wants to do. He lives. He lives his own life. Well, he, li- he lives his own life. And then he gets into some other stuff. It doesn't matter. Bottom line is they tanked the last two games. <laughs> they they tanked the last two games. It's a convenient excuse to say, "Wow, well, we we're trying to keep players healthy," but they tanked the last two games because they didn't want to see the Lakers. Simple as that. And you know what? I can't really blame them. You don't like to see teams lose on purpose. You don't like to see teams tank games. You know, if you want to talk about the integrity of of the game or the sport or whatever. But would you want to face the Lakers earlier than you had to? Seriously. I know the Lakers are a 7C, but they've had injuries this year. LeBron's been out for a long time. AD was out for a long time. And the Lakers are healthy. They're still one of the biggest threats to win the NBA championship and defend their NBA title. Why would you want to face them earlier than you had to? I wouldn't. The Lakers may be one of the most dangerous seven seeds in the history of the association, right? When they're healthy, when they're on. You don't like to see teams tank, but you kind of understand it. Now, maybe Ty Lue was trying to keep his team healthy. Maybe there's some truth to what he said. But I don't think it's the complete truth. I don't think it is 100%. I think there was other factors involved. And one of those factors was not facing the Lakers until the Western Conference Finals, should both teams get that far. Sneaky like a fox. Ty Lue and those Clippers. Anyway, time for a break. When we come back, some NHL talk. Could the Pens... Even it up against the Islanders. Stick around. WCMD. This is the Morning Rush. Joe, I don't have the energy today. I just don't. I'm just being honest. There's no sense in lying about it. It really isn't. It's just one of those days. I just, I just, I'm not feeling the vibes, man. I'm just not. I'll tell you what I did yesterday. I said what I saw yesterday. I saw for the first time, because uh, we've been talking about it for a while now. Well, not on the show, but just, you know, general. I saw the first two, uh, I, I don't even know what they're called. But the first two, were the, were the shells? Exoskeleton? I don't know what they are. The cicadas? The uh, 
the molt, what is it, molten, what do they call it? I have no idea. The stuff they leave behind, the brown, nasty looking, I saw my first two yesterday on my front porch. A harbinger of things to come as those little bees come out of the ground and make everybody's lives miserable for the next couple of weeks. This is the this is brood X or whatever it is. I don't even know. Caller, hold on. Seventeen years, right? And here they come, which is perfect. A great way to cap off the pandemic with a swarm of cicadas. Let's go to Rush Line three zero one seven five nine two six two eight. You're up. Who's this? Hey, James. James. What's up? Hey, uh, I'm, I, I feel bad for you not feeling today. So let's talk a little pirates. Do we have? Uh, oh, that's gonna make me feel better. <laughs> Well, you know, I'm an O's fan. Uh, my dad, he was always a Pirates fan. He was a youngster. They they didn't have a team in Baltimore, so he always wanted me to be a Pirates fan. But you know, right. I went the other. I went the other way. So there's things about Pirates culture, Pirates fans culture. I'll, I'm not real familiar with. Uh, I had to ask you about the padlocks on the Clemente Bridge. That's just a thing. I don't know when or how that started, but uh, it's just something that people do. They just. Take a padlock, and as they're walking across the bridge, they just you know some people will initial it, or they'll put their name on it, and they'll just lock it to the bridge. I have no idea where that started. Well, here's the next one. Uh, I was at a game in June 2019. Uh, I've I've watched and listened to a couple games since then. What is the deal with fans screaming at each other at PNC Park? Uh, you mean like yelling, screaming, or yeah? What it's like they're. One will yell and one will answer. They keep yelling back and forth. It, it almost sounds like the mating call of the howler monkey or something. Oh, you mean the wars? The yeah, one, what, what is, yeah, what is that? That is that's annoying is what it is. Uh, it's <laughs> it actually it actually I wanna say it actually got started at Penguins games. But it really kinda took hold at Pirates games. And if you listen to the game on the radio or watch it on TV, you can hear them. It's plain as day, especially now since, you know, there's only a couple thousand in the ballpark for now. Right. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's been a uh, – if you go on Twitter and follow, like, Pirates fans and, or Pittsburgh fans, it has been a point of contention for a very long time. And there's no way to stop it. It's just what, it's what people do. You're at a baseball game, and if you ever notice, it starts late, like seventh inning, eighth inning, because by the time people are tanked and bored. Well, that giant series, I think it was Saturday. It might have been the second or third I heard it. Yeah, well, that early. Well, they were really tanked and bored. Um, yeah, I don't know why they do it. it it's, it, it, it's, it's, I'm numb to it by now because I've heard it so many times that I don't even pay attention to it. Um, unless somebody brings it up, then it's like, oh, now I hear it. But, yeah, I don't know why. I don't know, why, I don't know who or why it started, but it is. it can be a little bit aggravating. It really seems like these guys that are doing it are buying seats near the booths so they can <laughs> bleed over the broadcast. It's crazy. It's possible. It's possible. And, and I don't and I, know. I, I was going to say, I thought about calling you yesterday and, and discussing it because you said people are walking away from the game. I, right. I don't, I don't want to go to PNC Park and hear people screaming back and forth for nine innings. Yeah, I mean, I've heard people – I've been at games where where people started wooing and other people basically shouted them down and told them to stop. Now, some will stop and some won't. They'll just keep on going just because. And I can't explain it. I can't explain the the uh, 
fascination with it, why people do it. Just, I guess, just to be annoying. Some people can't help themselves. I do love PNC Park. I like sitting in right field because that was Clemente's. I yeah, mean, the Clemente Wall. Park. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, I mean that's not Clemente's park, but right. You know that's that's still my dad's favorite player. Right. Two, you know, number two one, and he's in his mid seventies. I think guys like that, that that still have Clemente as their their favorite player, they're starting to die out. Yeah, a little bit. yeah, it's but, that uh, generation. Sure, sure. It's nice the PNC Park still, you know, pushes Clemente. And people remember Clemente, even if well, they the Pirates got the Pirates got to push something because they can't push the current product. That's for sure. <laughs> well, there's always room for you on the Orioles bandwagon. You're already a glutton for punishment. <laughs> <laughs> I can only take so much, James. We, I can only take so much. We'll take as many uh, fans as uh, as we can get. Hey, Camden Yards is too expensive anymore. That uh, that 2019 game I went to where they played the Braves. My seats were a dollar each. Wow, a dollar—that's let's try and get butts in the seats, man. That's all they're doing. Yep, a dollar each, and beers were nine. <laughs> <laughs> I could have bought nine seats for the price for of beer. one beer. That's great. That's great. <laughs> all right, Tony. All right, run. brother. Thanks for the call, man. Have a great yeah, man. day. Later. All right, three zero one seven five nine two six two eight. James checking in. Help me get through the first hour. I appreciate that. Don't have it today. Yeah, but the Wooers, uh, you know, we talked yesterday about how people can't act at games like getting into fist fights and all that stuff, and, and the best way to fix that is to kick them out for good. Maybe do the same thing with the Wooers. You woo, you're banned for life. How about that? All right, hour number one done. Coming up, what else? Hour number two, stick around, WCMD. This is the Morning Rush. A reminder, several ways to get involved on the show, and we encourage you to do so. It's not as scary as you think it is. Got two Twitter pages, at WCMD Morning Rush, and my page, at Rush Tony C. That's the letter C, not the word C. Our Facebook page, at WCMD Cumberland Radio. All three of those pages, free and open to the public. Like them, follow them, and at any time you feel froggy, take the leap. Drop me a line. You want to say hey? Say hey. Got a question, comment, opinion? Want to give somebody a shout out? Just do it. If it's airworthy, we'll talk about it. It could be something like, uh, I don't know, you got a nephew who went three for four yesterday in uh, the Fort Hill Mountain Ridge game. Just let us know. Just don't lie about it. Just be honest about it. Taking your calls on the rush line, 301-759-2628. Your chance to dial and dance. Shamo, 301-759-2628. And, of course, our podcast page on the free Podbean app. We upload every show every day minus commercials. So if you missed part of the show, go back, check it out. Like, for instance, if you missed the last hour, we talked about the Wizards and the Celtics, that 7-8 play-in game in the Eastern Conference. We talked about the Pacers and Hornets, the 9-10 play-in game in the East. Got two play-in games out West tonight. And uh, James checked in and talking about the annoying wooers at PNC Park. James helping me limp to the finish line (laughs) in hour number one. 
I told you, I'm not feeling it today. I'm just not. Some days you're up for it. Some days you have the energy. Some days you don't. Today I don't. But see, that's why I talk about getting involved on the show. The show is better when you guys get involved. It really is. And I'm I'm just not saying that to try to milk callers or or get people to, you know, send me stuff on Facebook. It is. Part of the reason why we do a show like this is to hear from you and hear your opinions and get your thoughts. I could sit here for two hours every day and talk about whatever I wanted to, but I prefer not to. And I'll let you go. See, that's the thing. You listen to a lot of these national uh, sports talk shows, the ones who even bother to take calls because a lot don't. They'll give you like 15 seconds. You're like, all right, caller, you're on the air. And then 15 seconds and pfft, you're done. Right? You get that, you, you, you ask a question and then you're finished. I'll let you run. A minute, two minutes, three minutes. James and I talked for what, five last hour, five minutes. I'll let you go. As long as you're making sense, right? As long as you're making sense and you're bringing up good points and you're asking good questions, I'll let you talk. I'm not going to cut you off. Now, if things start going off the rails and, and, and you know, it doesn't sound particularly well, then I'll cut you off. But the show is definitely better when you guys get involved. And it's 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 as simple as picking up a phone. And I realize we don't like making phone calls these days, right? Since the invention of the cell phone and caller ID, we just, how many times have we, I do it myself, I can't even lie. Somebody calls me, I look down and go, eh, I don't know if I'm talking to them right now, I'll get them later. Right, the, the the art of the phone call is dying. Everything is text message and, you know, direct message and all that kind of stuff. And if we ever get a cell phone in this studio, then we can text message as well, which I do believe that's coming down the pike here uh, soon. So that would give you another option to get involved on the show. I encourage it either through Twitter, again at WCMD Morning Rush, Facebook at WCMD Cumberland Radio, or give us a call, 301-759-2628. All right, uh, before we get into uh, some hockey talk, well, actually, we're going to do it right now uh, with a rock around the region. I want to rock right now. And we'll get into this game more in-depth later. The Penguins were on the ice last night trying to even up their first-round series with the Islanders. Behind the net, Kappen and chops it to McCann. Left side, Carter cuts atop the crease, fires and scores! Jeff Carter gives the Penguins a 2-0 lead late in the first period. The call on the Penguins radio network, 2-1 the final. Pens win and even the series at a game apiece. Uh, Brian Russ scored the other goal for Pittsburgh. A series now shifts to Long Island for Game 3. Tomorrow, tonight, it's Game 3 between the Bruins and Capitals in Boston. That series tied 1-1. Catch the game right here on this very station. Pre-game at 6.15, puck drop around 6.30, which is actually a pretty weird start time when you think about it. In the NBA game we talked about last hour, Wizards and Celtics hooked up in Boston for the 7-8 play-in game in the Eastern Conference in Washington Simply had no answer for Jason Tatum. Smart will bring it up. Goes to Tatum. Rhythm three, left side. Bottom. Oh, 74-58. 31 for Tatum. Walker around the screen up high by Tatum. Tatum pops, catches near the top of the key. Guarded by Smith. Big mismatch. 
launches a two ball and hits a 20-footer, literally right over the top of his Smith. He just leaned right in and shot over him. You could almost say he shot through him. There's no way his Smith can do anything. Fifth time this year, Tatum's gone north of 40 points. The calls on ESPN Radio, 50 points for Tatum as the Celtics lock down the seven seed with a 118-100 victory. Bradley Beal had 22 points. Russell Westbrook had 20 for the Wizards, who will now host Indiana for that final playoff spot tomorrow night. The Pacers destroyed the Hornets in the 9-10 game, 144-117. In uh, boys' high school basketball, the West Virginia AA All-State team was announced yesterday. Polka's Isaac McNeely, the Virginia commit, he was named captain of the first team, uh, Williamstown sophomore Xavier Carruthers, captain of the second team, Frankfurt's Jake Clark. Clarky received honorable mention. Uh, he averaged 11.5 points a game his senior season. In high school baseball, Mountain Ridge took advantage of 13 walks, including four with the bases loaded, to beat Fort Hill 12-2. Uh, Mountain Ridge also scored on a wild pitch and a hit-by-pitch. The Miners blew open a 1-0 game with five runs in the fourth and six more in the fifth. Uma Puali had a double, two RBI, and a run scored for Mountain Ridge. In Major League Baseball, the Rays did some yard work against the Orioles. There's a high shot back into deep right center, and that one is going to get out of here. Home run. Way over that 373 marker up into the stands. And Austin Meadows unloads. The Rays with a pair of three-run home runs in the second inning. Break out in front, 6-0. The call on Fox Sports Florida, five home runs for Tampa Bay and a 13-6 win over the Orioles at Camden Yards. Mike Zanino hit two home runs. Brett Phillips had the other three-run homer in the second inning off Matt Harvey. Harvey allowed just six runs. I'm sorry, he allowed six runs in just an inning and two-thirds. Uh, DJ Stewart had two hits and an RBI for the O's, who have lost eight of ten. They are now six and 16 at home this season. Elsewhere, David Bodie and Ian Happ homered as the Cubs beat the Nationals 6-3 at Wrigley. A Starling Castro homered for the Nats. And in St. Louis, the Pirates lost to the Cardinals 5-2. Nolan Arenado, a two-run homer, his fourth homer in four games for the Cardinals. Arenado has six home runs this month. The entire Pirates team has six home runs this month. Adam Frazier had a hit for the Pirates. He leads the National League with 52 hits. That's also third most in all of baseball, one of the very few bright spots. Adam Frazier for the Bucks this season. And that is uh, your rock around the region. Speaking of the Pirates, some sad news yesterday. Former Bucko Rennie Stennett. And if you are around my age range, you recognize the name, you know the name, you know what he did historically. Uh, Rennie Stennett passed away yesterday. I do believe at the age of 72. Yes, it was 72. Stennett, the only player in a modern baseball to go seven for seven in a nine-inning game. Let me repeat that. Seven for seven, which is amazing. I did it against the Cubs. 
September 16, 1975. First player in modern history, 7 for 7 at the plate, not any game. No other player has matched that feat. Maybe more importantly, not maybe, definitely more importantly than that, is Stennett was part of the first all-minority starting lineup in Major League Baseball history. On September 1st, 1971, he was part of that very first lineup composed entirely of black and Latino players. He was the leadoff hitter that day in front of guys like Roberto Clemente and Willie Stargell. That day came 24 years after the color barrier was broken. How about that? See, a lot of people know Stennett from that 7-for-7 game. But they don't know the other other part, the more important part. Think about that. 1971. It took that long. It took that long to make up a lineup card that were all, it was an all-minority lineup card. So Rennie Stennett, I do believe he uh, he had cancer, right? Did he die of uh, I think it was. Yeah, he died of cancer. Uh, the team announced he was 72 years old. You know, James called in uh, last hour, and he was talking about uh, he likes right field at PNC Park because of Clemente. Now, Clemente obviously didn't play at PNC Park, but he, he was a right fielder. And that's, you know, out there in PNC Park, that's the Clemente wall. And you have to walk across the Clemente Bridge to get to PNC Park. And in front of PNC Park is a Clemente statue. And you have to celebrate the history of the Pirates because that's all they have to go on right now. And it's it's, it's definitely such a rich and storied history for that franchise. And it's a shame where it's gone since the late 70s, right? Because you heard me mention the names. Guys like Stargell and Clemente and Rennie Stennett. Dave Parker, you want to throw him in there in in, in the late 70s. You know, uh, uh, Steve Blass, who just retired from broadcasting. It was last year, year before. All the great pitchers, all the great hitters to come through. You know, Stennett was part of two championship teams, 1971 and 1979. And Pirates beat the Orioles both years, both times. And you have to celebrate when you when you have a franchise that's been as sorry as the Pirates over the last 40 years. That's is that too long? 40? Eh, 30 plus, whatever. You gotta celebrate. And there, there's been a push every single year. Now, don't get me wrong, it's it's mainly from Pittsburgh fans. I don't think it's so much as a national push, but a, a regional push for Major League Baseball to retire Clemente's number. Like, universally. Because, you know, Jackie Robinson, he's the only player that has his his number universally retired. And there's a push every year. Because Clemente meant that much. Clemente was that kind of player. Will it ever happen? I doubt it. But that's that's how much he means to the city of Pittsburgh. As I mentioned, Stennett was on that 79 championship team. That's the last time the Pirates even went to a World Series. That's how bad it's been since 1980. I guess it has been 40 years, 40 stuff, 40 some years. James also mentioned uh, the Wooers 
at PNC Park. I'll get to the Penguins here in a second because I'm kind of leading into that. Yeah, I don't know why they do it. And again, if you're a Pirates fan or if you turn a Pirates game at any point, usually late in the game, you'll just hear people for whatever reason just start belting out these woo. It's almost it's like it's like a Ric Flair convention at PNC. Woo! And another person from across the, the park, woo! And it just it, it just goes on and on. And, I, and I've been there in these battle of the woos, and I've been sitting next to people who start. I'm like I'm looking at them like what are you what are you doing? Yeah, and we mentioned we talked about it yesterday. We had the conversation about people, these drunken buffoons who get into fistfights at you know major sporting events. And how they should be banned for, like, if you fight at a game, you should be banned for life. I'm not saying you ban somebody who woos at a game. But, like, what? why can't you just go to a game and act like a normal person? Like, how hard is that? Like, did I miss something? Did I miss where it says in the back of a ticket that you have the right to act like a complete idiot because you paid admission to this game? Like I don't why why is it so hard to go to a game, cheer, boo, have a couple beverages, enjoy the app, enjoy the, and just go home? Like how hard is it? Why is that so difficult for some people? Like how is it so hard just to act act like a just a regular person? Why do you have to go and 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 be a public spectacle? Why do you have to go and woo or draw? Why is that? What is it, is it attention? Is that what it is? You know, you go to a PNC Park or you go to a Penguins game or wherever. I don't know. Does it happen in other parks? I, I don't. Are there wooers at Camden Yards? Are there wooers at Nationals Park? Is this just a Pittsburgh thing? Maybe I maybe I should be talking to Pittsburgh fans. Act. Why don't you just act normal? Quit drawing attention to yourself. Nobody wants to hear you. No, We don't go to the games to see and hear you, right? As a fan, I'm going to watch the game. I'm going to have a good time, To enjoy, even though the Pirates stink, or it could be the Penguins or the Steelers or whatever. I'm going to have a good time to enjoy the game. I'm not going to see and hear Johnny Knucklehead in Section 219 who wants to get hammered and and just make a spectacle of himself. That's not where I'm going. I just don't understand why. I don't know. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't get it. If you want to solve a lot of those issues, and, and believe me, it's been talked about before. It'll never happen, but it's been talked about. You ban the sales of alcohol at games. I'm telling you, that would cut down on a lot of this nonsense and tomfoolery. But that'll never happen. They just make they make way too much money. <laughs> you, you know, if you miss if James called in last hour, he said he went to an Orioles game, he paid a dollar for the seat and nine bucks for a beverage. An adult beverage. They make way too much money. They will never, you know, and they try, you know, they make an effort, like they cut off the taps in the seventh inning. But by that time it's too late. It's 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 way too late. To do anything <laughs> by the seventh inning of a baseball game, the damage has already been done. It's already been done. 
Unless you're up in the, one of the club seats and they don't cut the taps off, which, uh, you know, is why I buy tickets to the club seats. Anyway, uh, staying in Pittsburgh, let's get to some hockey talk before we go to break here. And I mentioned in the first hour how there was a lot going on last night. Like the old remote control thumb was working overtime because you had the Pens and Islanders on, you had the Pirates on, the Orioles were on, the Nationals were on, and then later in the night, the Wizards and Celtics were on. So I was doing a, you know, a whole lot of jumping back and forth. But the game that was front and center for me was the Islanders-Penguins game. All right, game number two in their first round series. And it, look, it wasn't a must win for the Penguins, but it was pretty darn close. And we talked about this yesterday. Like the last thing you want to do is drop the first two games of a best of seven at home, like the Panthers did last night against the or the Lightning. The Lightning, they've won the first two games of that series. And now they get a chance to go home. What a chance to, to clean it up, to, to end it. So it wasn't a must win for the Pens, but boy, it helps matters to even that series up. And I said Monday, because we talked about Sunday's game on Monday, that Tristan Jari had to be much better in net for the Penguins than he was in game one. Game one, he let four goals in and three were terrible. Three were terrible. When you're in the playoffs, three of the four goals he let in, you've got to stop in the playoffs. And he was much better last night. Made 39 saves, got his first career playoff win. And maybe he was just jittery on Sunday. You know, I don't know. I don't know what the, what the issue was there. And he really had to up his game last night because the Pens took a 2-0 lead in the first period. Pens dominated the first period. But then after that, they fell off a cliff. They couldn't really generate much of anything after that first period. Islanders dominated the second period, got on the board, and, and the Pens, it was one of those deals, and if you watch hockey, you know what I'm talking about. The Pens were just surviving the period. Like, it, it, I'm sitting there and I'm watching the clock, and I'm like, I, you couldn't get to intermission fast enough. You could not. Well, plus that, and I had to go to the bathroom. But that's not the point. I could not get to the break fast enough because the Islands were the pressure and pressure and pressure, chance after chance after chance. And the Penguins, they survived with that one goal lead going into the third period. Third period was kind of evenly matched, both teams had great chances. But Jari and uh, Simeon Varlamov were both great in net. And then came the end of regulation, where things got really dicey near the end of the game. Brian Rust, who scored the first goal of the game for the Pens, did one of the dumbest things I've ever seen somebody do in any game, let alone a playoff game. In New York... They had just pulled Varlam off for the extra attacker, right? And they had the puck in in the offensive zone. The puck comes off a stick and pops right up into the air, right out near the blue line. Rust catches the puck out of midair and throws it out of the zone. Now, just in case you don't know too much about hockey, you can't do that. You you can't catch a puck and throw it. Now, you can bat the puck out of the air with your hand, just like swat at it, 
but you can't close your hand over the puck. I don't know what he was thinking. I don't know what he was doing. Maybe it was just, you know, knee-jerk reaction, instinct, reflex. I don't know. So now he has to go to the penalty box. Yes, he's done. And now the Pens have to kill a six-on-four because the Islanders still had the goaltender pool. They had to kill a six-on-four in the final 129 of the game because of this stupid penalty by Russ. Now, the good news is for the Penguins, fortunately, they did they did kill it. And it really was a great penalty kill because the Islanders only got one shot with that six-on-four advantage. So I guess at the end of the day, no harm, no foul. But I could have done without the extra drama added in because Brian Rust wanted to turn into, I don't know, give me a pitcher, Garrett Cole, and throw the puck out of the zone. Jeff Carter, he had the eventual game winner for the Pens in the first period. He has been really good since they got him from the Kings at the trade deadline. And last night's goal for him, his 40th career playoff goal. And let me tell you about a cat, Brandon Tanev, who's on the fourth line with uh, Aston Reese and Bluger. He is undoubtedly my favorite Penguin. And he was all over the place last night as usual. Um, You talk about a guy who plays with just passion and energy. He has speed to burn. He's just one of those guys that you want on – any team. He's one of those guys you would kill for. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't score a lot. But he's just all over the place. And he's my favorite penguin. I love him. I love him. And I actually I retweeted something uh on our Twitter pages at WCMD Morning Rush and at Rush Tony C. Somebody caught him uh Tanev on the bench. And he plays with such intensity. It was right at the end of the game when they won. He nearly pushed Sidney Crosby over the boards. He was so excited. Just pushing guys around. He's just, he's that intense, that into it. Now, what I didn't like about last night's game was the fact that they went up 2 nothing and didn't score the rest of the game. The Islanders controlled, again, most of the second period, a lot of the third period. And I think the Pens still miss Evgeny Malkin because he's missed both playoff games with an undisclosed injury. And they just aren't the same team without 71 out there. They lose such a scoring threat when he's not there to anchor that second line. And the power play's been garbage in the first two playoff games against the Islanders. Partly because the Islanders have a pretty good penalty kill. I think they were sixth overall in the league this year. But partly because Malcolm's not there. His absence, I I really felt it. I didn't feel it so much in the first game. I really felt it last night. Because that's just one less scoring threat the Islanders have to worry about. He's got to get back. That penalty, the power play, was just brutal. They had two last night, and and they barely had a shot on goal. I know the first power play, they didn't get a single shot on goal. They couldn't generate anything. And I don't think they have a – they don't have a power play goal in the first two games of the series. That's not going to get it done. So, Gino, please, for the sake of myself and Penguins fans everywhere – Get healthy. Get back. Going to need you. Especially since the series now turns uh, to Long Island for the next couple of games. All right, time for a break. News and weather coming up. 
Stick around. 102.1 FM, AM 1230, WCMD. This is the Morning Rush. It's the worst thing you ever experienced at a sporting event. I'll be interested to know that. Because I've been there at PNC Park when you had uh, people wooing. I've been to football games where I've seen fisticuffs. Bunch of drunken buffoons, you know, going at it. I'd be curious to know, what's the worst thing that you've ever seen at a sporting event? Keep it clean, too, while you're at it. 301-759-2628. Also, hit me up on Twitter at WCMD Morning Rush and on the uh, Book of Faces uh, at WCMD Cumberland Radio. We talked yesterday. One of the worst things we've seen in Major League Baseball this year, Kevin Pillar, a Mets outfielder, uh, got hit in the face with a fastball by a Braves reliever, Jacob Webb, the other night. And we kind of had to sit around and wait to get, you had to get CT scans and uh, all the other stuff. Turns out that Pilar uh, suffered multiple nasal fractures because he was hit in the nose with a 94-mile-per-hour fastball. And he, did, he ended up walking off the field under his own power. You know, there was the, 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 the shot of him just bleeding. He, he's leaning over home plate on his hands and knees of blood just pouring off his nose. He did walk off the field after that. Turns out he has the nasal fractures. And last night he actually took out the lineup card. He walked out to home plate and uh, took out the lineup card before the start of the game. And it says here that he's going to be meeting with a facial specialist to determine the next steps in his recovery. But he did uh, talk with reporters after last night's game. Feel good. I feel real good, actually. Uh, despite not looking so good, I, I, I feel as you know close to normal as possible. Uh, the only tough thing is my right eye a little bit right now is suffering from a little bit of swelling, and I can't really breathe out of my nose. But besides that, I feel I feel good. I feel lucky uh, and just kind of excited to start this recovery, get back, do what I like doing. I'll tell you what, if you saw the video of that, uh, presser, he you could tell he looked like his face. He got into a fight. I mean, just bruised and and cut up. But the good news is, I mean, so far, and I say this, all that happened was nasal fractures, and I, and I know that's not you know something to poo poo, but it could have been it could have been a lot worse. Is what I'm trying to say. It could it was a scare a scary thing, and I said yesterday that. We've seen Pilar get hit in the face with a fastball. And then earlier this season, we saw Bryce Harper get hit in the face with a fastball. And when's the last time you saw that happen twice in one season? I mean, batters get hit. I can't remember the last time I saw two players being in the face with fastballs. And I attributed that to these hard-throwing pitchers who just don't know where the ball's going. They don't pitch. They throw. And a lot of times they're relievers because more and more teams are getting these flamethrowers in the seventh, eighth, ninth innings. They throw 98, 99, hundo, but they have no control. 
And so I attribute that, the wildness, to the fact that these guys throw hard but don't always necessarily know where it's going to end up. Unfortunately, it ends up in people's faces. And I hope that we don't have to see it again this season. Now, I also said yesterday that baseball is losing fans. Baseball is losing interest because, first of all, pitching isn't what it used to be. And neither is the hitting. However, uh, last night there was one pitcher that was pretty much on his game. Turnbull sets. The 0-2 pitch. Swing and a miss! History! Spencer Turnbull has become the sixth Tiger pitcher to throw the eighth no-hitter in franchise history. His teammates burst out of the dugout and mob him at the mound. How about it? How about it? Spencer Turnbull. <laughs> With the no-hitter last night, the Tigers beat the Mariners 5 nothing. He throws the eighth no-no in Tigers history. First no-no for Detroit since Justin Verlander uh, 10 years ago. Fifth no-hitter already this season. Fifth. And it's only May 19th. The five no-hitters through May 18th, which is yesterday, matches the 1917 season for most no-hitters by that date. Five in the first month and a half. And unfortunately for the Mariners, two of those five have been thrown in Seattle. (laughs) Mariners are the first team since the 2015 Dodgers to get no-hit twice in a month. After the game, uh, Turnbull was on SportsCenter with uh, John Anderson. I don't know if there's any specific thoughts more than just that, you know, primal scream. I don't know, man. <laughs> it was absolutely surreal. Just just pure energy. Never had a complete game before. You're up there 117 pitches. Uh, how's the arm right now? Feels great right now. <laughs> we'll see how it feels tomorrow, but right now it feels fantastic. Just going to be hanging, right? Uh, at what point do we start thinking about this thing? Uh, probably around the fifth inning. Um, I mean, I, I was aware that I hadn't given him a hit the whole time, but I wasn't really thinking about it. It was about probably right after the fifth. I was like, all right, mm-hmm. I keep this rolling. They keep hitting them right at people. See what happens. And then at what point, when was the last time a teammate said anything to you? Uh, they kind of stopped talking to me around the seventh or so. Um, but I could, I got a couple fist bumps and a few of those things, but uh, definitely, definitely felt the energy shift a little bit. Everybody kind of just wanted to leave me alone. First complete game of his career. He's 28 years old, and it turns out to be a no-hitter. This is a guy who just two years ago in 2019 was 3-17. He led the majors in losses with 17. And then two years later, he throws the eighth no-hitter in Tigers history. And again, it happened against the Mariners, who apparently that's the team to pitch against if you want to pitch a no-no. Because they've been no-hit twice this season. The Indians have been no-hit twice this season. And you remember not too long ago, speaking of the Indians, uh, Zach Plesak 
had a no-hitter in the eighth inning against the Mariners before losing that. So Seattle very close to being no-hit three times in the first month and a half of the season. They are just the fifth team since 1900 to be no-hit twice in one month. And again, I got to go back to the fact that Major League hitters stink. They stink. And you can say, oh, well, one of the hardest things in sports is to hit a fastball. Sure it is. I'm not saying that it's not. It's very difficult. Not many people on the planet can hit a Major League fastball. Problem is, a lot of guys can miss them too. Major League hitting is the worst now than it's ever been in my lifetime. In my lifetime. Look at the guys who have thrown no-hitters. Let me look it up here. I don't know. You got, what, five no-nos, right? Uh, Means from the Orioles threw one. Rodon from the White Sox, right? Who were the, I can't remember the other two. I'll top my head. John Means. I'm trying to find the names here. I'm, I'm trying to make a point. It's not exactly like we got Clayton Kershaw. Did he throw one? No, he didn't throw one. It's not like we have the second coming of Sandy Koufax on the mound throwing these no-hitters. That's my point. We got guys like Spencer Turnbull, who lost 17 games two years ago. John John Means is actually pretty good. I, I, I won't you know I won't disrespect him that way. But Rodon from the Whites, I can't find the other two. You know what? I'll tell you what. We'll go to break. All right? We'll go to break, and then we'll come back and wrap it up. During the break, I'll look the names up. They can't figure out the other two to uh, drive my point home. All right. So we'll look at that. Stick around through the break. We'll come back and wrap it up with those names, and then we'll finish up, and then uh, I'll go home. All right. More of the show coming up, WCMD. This is the Morning Rush. All right, so I got the names. We're talking about Spencer Turnbull's no-hitter last night, uh, the Tigers pitcher against the Mariners. Fifth no-hitter already this season, tying the uh, 1917 season. For most no-hitters by May 18th. Here's a list of the no-hitters this year. All right. You got Turnbull last night. You had John Means for the Orioles. Wade Miley, Carlos Rodon, and Joe Musgrove. I think Musgrove threw the first one of the season. I'm not sure those five guys would make up a decent rotation for any team. I mean, think about it. It's not like we had Max Scherzer, uh, Garrett Cole. Who else? Give me a couple other. You know, Sho- Shohei Otani. It's not like those guys are out there throwing no hitters. And, and no disrespect to these guys who threw them. It's it's you know, they make history. That's great. But it just goes to prove how awful major league hitting is this year, and it has been for the past several years. Right, three results you pretty much get nowadays: uh, home run, strikeout, walk. That's about it. 
We mentioned Adam Frazier for the Pirates. Uh, he leads the National League with 52 hits. Guys like Frazier are a dying breed. You know, going for the long ball. It's all about exit velocity and launch angle, all that crap. And it's no coincidence that major league hitting is at an all-time low. It's awful. It's terrible. That's why you have guys like Spencer Turnbull, who lost 17 games two years ago, and Wade Miley throwing no-hitters. Because the offense stinks. Because that's the way it's being taught, and it's stupid. We're not teaching players how to hit anymore. It's all about power. It's all about pulling the ball. That's why defenses shift so much, which is also a contributing factor to these no-hitters and a drop in the offense. And defenses shift because they know that batters don't know how to hit opposite field anymore. I know I sound like a broken record because I've said this many times on this show, but baseball, especially from the offensive end, is terrible. It's terrible. That's why you have five no-hitters in the first month and a half of the season. Uh, One more quick Major League Baseball uh, note. Mike Trout is likely out six to eight weeks with a grade two calf strain. So Trout, arguably the best player in baseball, uh, on the shelf for the Angels for maybe up to two months. And I saw this from the NFL, uh, the almost called him the old nickname. The Washington Fighting Riveras. They have given a right tackle Morgan Moses permission to seek a trade. Uh, Washington would save almost eight million bucks in salary cap space if he is traded. It doesn't matter if it's before or after June first. Uh, Washington side left. Uh, they signed left tackle Charles Leno Jr. earlier this month. They drafted the tackle uh, Samuel Corsi. Uh, in the second round, caller, hold on, and now so Morgan Moses could be traded. Let's go to the rush line. Got to be real quick. About two minutes left. You're up. Go ahead. Hey, how's it going? Good. Hey, um, the, the question you asked about the the worst thing you ever saw in um, a stadium or a football yeah. game or, or any any sporting event, yeah. Well, I'll just make a, a real quick thing. I've, I've been to several, uh, probably like eight or nine different college football, um, different teams. Okay. Uh, about four different NFL teams, baseball, basketball, you name it. I've been to a bunch of them. Uh, I've been to four West Virginia football games. All right. And it never shocks. It, it, it never, well, it, it never um, surprises me when I see there because – it's sometimes it's not actually in the stadium, even though one time there was a whiskey bottle chucked at a referee's head. Wow. Uh, but like outside the periphery and all of that stuff, the tailgating and whatnot. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's, uh, well, not, not just the tailgating, but like the, uh, when, when, uh, rival fans walk in, like the instigating of the fights and everything like that. Ah, like, it's, I got it's you. Actually, it's actually nothing Nothing compares to it. Um, not saying that all West Virginia fans are like that, but there's enough of them to, that makes the experience not something you want to go to. So if you're a fan of the opposing team, you catch a lot of venom from the Mountaineer fans as you walk into the stadium. 
Oh yeah, oh yeah. And and on uh, on top of that, just to just to let you a little bit of uh, um, you know where where I've actually been. I've been to a pit game, right? If that tells you anything. <laughs> so a pit pit was like walking into you know the the mass on Sunday compared to going to a football game at, at you know at WVU. So uh, di- um, different atmospheres to say the least. Uh yeah yeah now. Not saying that pit fans don't get rowdy and everything oh, like that, but it, like I didn't, you know, I didn't feel like there was something about ready to pop off at any given moment. Gotcha. Gotcha. When I went to the pit game, little so, little less hostile. Yeah. <laughs> surprisingly, surprisingly. Because you're you're so, a Notre you're a Notre Dame guy, right? Is that right? Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I was, and I've been to Notre Dame. I've been. I've actually. A, a lot of people don't like Notre Dame. Right. And when Pitt played Notre Dame, I went up there. And you know it was, it was it was rowdy, but it wasn't like over the top ridiculous. There wasn't stuff going on when I when I left. I had my Notre Dame gear on. You know nobody was, you know, trying to mess with me. Right, you didn't feel threatened. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but uh, West Virginia is a totally different ball of wax. All right, all right. Uh, Duly so noted, Dwayne. Duly noted. <laughs> all right, all right, bud. Thanks for the call, man. Have a great day. All right, and that's how we're going to wrap it up. Dwayne with the call, chiming in at the very end. I like it. Finish strong today. We'll start strong tomorrow. Join us then. Remember, Cavs Hockey Unite, 615. See you tomorrow, 6 a.m. sharp. This is the Morning Rush. I am Tony C., and I am done.